for? Absolutely nothing. Hey, that's George Chapel. Um, my old partner. How are you, my friend? Doing great. Doing great. And yourself? Pretty good. Uh, and my name is Keith Stone. This is George and Keith Musings. But we are waiting for a third man in the booth to join us. And uh, so we'll kill a little bit of time. We're waiting on him, George. But I think right. you know him. It's uh, Andy Heller. He, uh, he was an RA at Central. and he I, is, I remember the fellow. Yep. He's like a regionally famous columnist now. Yeah. Or has been for many years. Yep, yep. So, we, we, I mean, if we want, while we're waiting for him, we can tell about the time that he, he put you and me on, on probation or on report or whatever the hell. No, no, no. Was. I don't want to bring yeah, any of that yeah. stuff up. <laughs> nope. So, but um, no. But it's water, water under the bridge, as the idiom goes. And, uh, and, and so now we're, we're, back, we're back with him. He's, he's, he's in, in fine, fine standing with us. Right. Well, we'll see how he does today. Yeah. Okay. Um, so last uh, time out, two weeks ago, we were on this quest to try and save baseball. Um, yeah. Last time we discovered that maybe home runs are um, and then to take that, maybe the root cause of all these home runs is that analytics are killing baseball. And Yeah. Um. So what that means is they're looking at stats that you and I would never have imagined and maybe we shouldn't have to imagine. Um, but talking about, uh, you know, uh, angle, launch angle of the bat. I mean, these right. are stats that all these guys have, uh, they're all available to them now. And all these crazy stats that when I was researching for this, I looked them up and I – I couldn't understand them. Um, it's, it's, it's the crazy stats. I can't even can't even tell you the name of them anymore. But right, but they, right. they talk about balls put in play. They give me all these stats about balls put in play, which means it doesn't include walks, strikeouts, or home runs. So right. What the hell is that? That's that's thirty three percent of the game, kind of. It is. It is now, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, I I don't know. I. I think what it is is you kind of go back to like you know when we were kids. You know what were the stats you remembered when you were a kid, right? We talked about batting average, RB home runs, RBIs, basically all the stats that went into rotisserie baseball. Right. And you know, and I'm I'm going to tell you that those stats, you know, hey, if those stats were good enough for me, they're good enough for my for my kids and grandkids. And, <laughs> And, and at risk of sounding like kind of a grumpy old man, I I dare you. I bet if you took all these sophisticated stats that all these people have, and you you know you say, okay, well this guy is the best player based on all these stats. You know, like like I said, he's balls hit and play. I bet if you look at just his batting average, his home runs and RBIs and all the old classics, he's probably just going to be he's still going to be the same good player. But so I don't. Yeah, I just don't see what all this extra stuff gets you. And you know, and, and I'm I'm a math guy. I I like I like math. I even majored on in it once upon a time, so I was told. <laughs> but why why do you what you know? 
being a baseball fan should just be being a baseball fan and going watching and looking at the the key stats you want. It's not about you know I don't I don't want to have to go take like a master's level and you know class in math to understand the game. Right. Okay. So yeah. do you think it's just a fat? Maybe it's just a like you don't want to see how sausage is made. You just want to enjoy it. So it would be better off if baseball just did their thing. They did these shifts and stuff like that. But don't tell me why you're doing it because 28% of the time on a ball yeah. hit and play, a left-handed batter is going to ground in, ground out rather than hit a home run or something. I mean, you, are you okay with the shift itself or do you not want to know why they do it? Or do you want to outlaw the shift altogether? Well, no, here, let me tell you about this. I actually, I don't have a problem with the shift. I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I think it looks kind of goofy. Uh, it, and I, I know you're a lefty, and it, and, it, and it tends to harm the left-handed hitters more than the right-handed hitters. Cause yeah, you were too stupid not to pull everything. Well, well, yeah, and you, but you can't. Obviously, with a right-hander, you can't you can't move the first baseman over to the left side of the infield. The first baseman has to stay home. So, so yeah, it it definitely hurts left-handed players more. Um, but I'm I'm still okay with it because I think and it, this a lot of this goes back to our our talk about home runs and and the two are related. So you get these left-handed power hitters. You know, not only are they're you know trying they're swinging up on the ball. But they're they're trying to pull the ball because you get you get more power when you pull it, right? Yes. Factor ruining the game is because you got all these guys up there trying to trying to put the ball in the seats, and and so the the punishment for that in doing that is yeah you're gonna you're gonna put more defensive players on the right side of the field to try and get you out. So you know the obvious counter to that is to not try and hit home runs you need to be more like a you know like a, a you know I, I, i'll bring him up again a tony Gwynn or a rod carew that uses the the entire field to hit the ball uh and i, I go back to a moment i don't know this is probably four five six years ago uh victor martinez you may remember victor oh slow as slow as all get out yep the, the slowest guy in the world, and he spent too many years catching and kind of blew his knees out. So he comes in, and he has a, has a pretty laudable career as, as, a, as a DH for the Tigers. And I remember one time he came up, and they put the shift on him, and he, he, laid, he just laid a bunt down the third base line, it was, and it was the only bunt single of his entire career. But, you know, I, but I respect that because, you know, as a hitter, even though, you know, he, he definitely had home run power, I think as a hitter, he recognizes that his primary job is to get on base. You know, you're going to help your team more out, but, you know, because if, if every guy gets on base, it doesn't matter how many home runs he hit. You're going to, you're going to optimize your chances for scoring, and, and uh, you know, you're, you're going to help the team that way. So I'm, I'm fine with, guy, with teams putting on a shift, but I would like to see more hitters do do what they can to try and beat the shift and not just try and hit everything out of the park. Okay, well, um, that you're right. But I'm not, I think part of the reasoning of the shifts is they would tell you, and I think it's kind of statistically proven, unfortunately, is that a single doesn't hurt you as bad as a home run, um, obviously. But, like, 
for example, right. against the shift in 2018, and I'm not going to throw you out stupid war numbers. I'm going to talk to you in yeah. numbers that we understand, okay? Yeah. Uh, versus the shift on pulled fly balls. These are fly balls only. Batters hit 429 with a 1.514 slugging percentage. Now, if a guy tries to go the opposite way against the shift, they hit 135 with a 324 slugging percentage. Okay. So it's kind of, you can see why a guy, I mean, it's frustrating to see a guy rip a ground ball right into the shift and you go, God damn it, why don't you just hit it to left field? And it's because, you know, they've been told the same thing is, no, just keep swinging, hit the ball in the air, and we'll come out way ahead. All right. To your point about Victor Martinez, I got another stat for you. Um, Okay. Bunts against the shift in 2018, 1.73% of all at-bats were a bunt. So nobody's doing it, George. Well, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying they are. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to offer a solution here. I know. I know. And it's a darn good one, too. But um, it's, just, it's just not happening, I think. So as part of the, the wall that we're hitting our head against, is that it's not going to change. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so um, I can tell you one other thing. This Just through this year, 2019, there have been 41,400 at-bats versus a shift. Um, that's 25.3% of the time. So wow. that's quite a bit. But here's the worst news. That's 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 like once an inning. Yeah, yes, it is. It absolutely. I mean, is. yeah. But here's worst news for you, George. Who are the two best, if not the best teams, but certainly the best pitching staffs in the National and the American League? Who's the best team in the National League? Who's the best team in the American League? Well, I'm going to say the American League's got to be the Houston Astros. Right. Uh, National League's probably the Dodgers. Correct. The Dodgers are number one in use of the shift, 50.2% of the time. The Astros are number two in uses of the shift, 49.4% of the time. Wow. So what the hell? So Verlander and Kershaw and those guys, they dig the shift. I can't imagine that Kershaw has to do it too often. But I don't know. He's got, he got the whole lefty-lefty thing working for him. That's that's true. Uh, so so let me ask you this: so all, all these these shift stats is this all all these shifts against left handers are 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 they shifting against righties as well? No, they, they I mean, shift against righties. For example, um, the Dodgers it's almost half and half. They've done twenty six forty six total shifts. Thirteen thirty six of those are against right handers. And so that leaves, what, 13-10 against left-handers. They actually do yeah. more against right-hand hitters, which is shocking to me. So when, so when they shift, I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here about, which is a good thing because on a podcast, you don't want to think to yourself. because that's No, really boring. That makes for boring podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm going to think out loud here. You know, so you shift against a right-hander. What, what are they doing? So, you, obviously, you know, you got your third baseman shortstop over there. You're moving, what, the second baseman 
Where does he go up the middle? Yeah, for it to be a uh, shift, three guys, at least three players, have to be on the same side of the infield, which means the other okay. side of second base. Okay. Because I was thinking, you know, one one way you could do it. What, what would you think of this? I don't know if this has ever been done, but you, what you do is you move the right. So shifting against the righty, would you move the right fielder like into short left field? And kind of have the second baseman just kind of play a shallow right field just to kind of protect against that. That'd give you that ex- extra fielder over there, and you kind of leave right field more or less wide open. But if the guy's a dead full hitter, you're not going to worry about that too much. That's a great idea, but you're defeating our purpose. Now we're coming up with ways to have better shifts. <laughs> well, that's why I was thinking out loud. I didn't want to think out loud because I don't want to give anyone the idea, but – you know, being right. a, the rules of the podcast, I have to think out loud. And, yeah, we're, we're kind of like we're, we're throwing more bad ideas out there. Right. Okay, so let me tell you, maybe it's not – I think it is analytics because what's happening now is guys are realizing that uh, strikeouts aren't so bad, it, you know, the trade-off. So swing as hard as you can, and if you make contact, you're going to hit a home run, which is great. If you strike out, no big deal. Players are not afraid to strike out anymore. Nope, they combine, are co- combine that with managers changing pitchers like crazy. So a guy, a starter goes five innings. Six innings is like ridiculous nowadays, George. I, and I then, then you bring in a parade of four guys to throw an inning each. They don't have to worry about anything but throwing as hard as they can or throwing as many off-speed pitches as they can. Because they're only going to be out there for one inning. Don't don't save yourself, kid. Give it all to us right now. So even if batters weren't swinging from their butts, they wouldn't. They still would probably be striking out more. Yeah, but you know, but that that's the thing. You like you said it. You said exactly that. For one, yeah, hitters aren't afraid to strike out anymore because, as we know from from our last discussion, that strikeouts are have gone at about a rate of twice as what they were in the seventies. Yep. And, and yeah, and you're right. And pitchers, last year's Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, averaged like five and a third innings a start. I'm like, you know, what the? Yeah. See, you know, that's crazy. And I, I think gotta... it is part, it's part of our, uh, oh, the good old days kind of thinking. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's what we, it's what we grew up with. That's what we understand. It's what we loved. It's the, it's and it's the just game we fell different. in love with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me just throw some more stats out here since I did the work. Um, Absolutely. Um, the top 10 batters for strikeout leaders of all time, um, none of them is the all-time leader, believe it or not, goes all the way back to 2009. Um, Mark Reynolds struck out 223 times. Okay. But of that, in that top 10, which goes all the way down to Joey Gallo, who struck out 207 times last year. Three of those top 10 happened last year. Um, wow. Gallo, Stanton, and Yoan Moncada from the White Sox, who I'm not sure oh, I yeah. even know him. But then once in 17, Aaron Judge. Uh, one in 16, Chris Davis, who loves a strikeout. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Davis again in 2015. So anyways, so it's been recent. And there's no stigma attached to strike out. As a matter of fact, yeah. um, last year, um, there was 41,000 
207 strikeouts. And that was 22.3% of all at-bats. Well, okay, so you, you mentioned Chris Davis, and, and, and he's got uh, kind of a – Kind of a, a dubious, certainly one of the most dubious stats in, in in Major League history. There are only a handful of guys, and by a handful, I mean I mean guys that you could, you know, literally, literally a handful. You know, like you know, like three or four guys that you could clearly put in your hand um, that have in a season have struck out more than their batting average. And by and by that, what I mean. Is, Chris and Chris Davis, I believe, has done it twice, and I think the most recent. I think he like struck out 221 times, and he batted 219 one year, and then another yeah. year he struck out like 180 times and batted 170 or something like that. Well, he struck out 219 times in 16 and 208 times in 15. So either one of those years, probably both those years. Yeah, I think it probably was both. So yeah, and his batting average, you know, yeah. He, Struck out two on like I said two sixteen. I think his batting average is two twelve or something like that. You know that's right. that's hard to do because in order to strike out that many times, you have to get a lot of at bats, and in order to get a lot of at bats, you have to be generally better than a two fifteen hitter. You so, would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think the only yeah. I think like Rob Deers or somebody like that is like the only other guy that's even come close to doing it. Yeah, that was kind of back in the good old days. Deer would it. 180 or something right and and back then but you know rob deer could play today and nobody would think think a thing of it back then you know he was he was in a way kind of a, a joke player because he did strike out so often and he was he was just kind of a strikeout or home run guy an all or nothing guy he would have been tailor-made for for the game today maybe he was uh maybe he was way ahead of his time maybe maybe he's a math professor yeah. at harvard and he had yeah. this all figured out before that's, that's right. So one day you're going to see Rob Deere in the Hall of Fame as a baseball innovator. Right. <laughs> okay, so we're talking a lot about strikeouts and shifts, and we and we're, our hypothesis that analytics are ruining baseball. And the, how we got to that is because analytics, all these abundance of statistics they have now, are telling teams that you should shift, and they're telling batters, go ahead and strike out and they're telling pitchers, you're only going to have to throw five innings and I'll follow up with other guys. It's the most effective way to do it. And it's just a different way of thinking. And I think, you know, baseball's biggest core group of fans is guys like us, George, guys that are getting gray hair now and kids are finding more excitement watching the NBA or soccer or anything like that. And they're going away from baseball. It's just, it is it's kind of boring. The guy gets up, and a third of the time he's going to strike out or walk or hit a home run, which is pretty cool. But there's so many home runs in a game now, as we discussed yeah. in the last time. It's just kind of like, you know, kind of boring. You know, oh, there was four home runs in that game. We got ripped off. Yeah. But I'm not supposed to talk about home runs. We did that already. Sorry. Yeah. But, but yeah, and you know, we talked about the you know the length of the game and it, and strikeouts is directly correlated to it. But you know, I think your point that you know guys like us are are the biggest hardcore fans. That's true. But you know what? Yeah, we're on the on the downside of fifty now. And mm-hmm. you know, for the for the sport to survive, you you got to be able to sell the game to the younger generation. I don't I know my son 
absolutely loves the game. And, and you know, and there are those out there that, that do love it. But, yeah, when you look at the, the attendance statistics, you know, that that is a little sobering is that, you know, people are kind of like leaving the game and they're going to, to other things. Now, you know, soccer, I still don't. I still don't get soccer. I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe that's, that's a subject for another time. It is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about boring. I, I, I will, I will say this. I do. I think the reason that there's so many riots in soccer in soccer stadiums is that the game is so boring that the fans have to like do something. to. Uh, oh, okay. But, George. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me, you, you touched on attendance dropping and attendance is dropping. No question. But, Here's the bad news if you don't like the way that baseball is going now. Revenue has increased every year for 16 straight years. Um, 2018 was the latest record. $10.3 billion in revenue. Wow. So, So gate revenue, yeah, gate revenue is down. Concession revenue is down. But TV money is up. Um, They're tying in advertising deals. To different things, all that money is increasing, and I guess there's a the new TV deal with Fox is supposed to like 2021 or something. It's supposed to renew, and it's going to be huge, even more money than they're making now. Okay, so so that then that begs the question, you know, if people aren't going to the games, are people watching the games then? Because if that's where all the money's coming from, I mean, I don't know if you have any stats on viewership or not. I do not. But Okay, and and that's that's the interesting thing because if if attendance is down, uh, and and viewership is down, then at some point you're gonna you're gonna hit a critical point where the revenue is just gonna is gonna dry up. At some point, you know, with with salaries get as high as they are, and you know the TV deals as high as they are, if it's not backed up with viewership, then advertisers are gonna they're gonna leave eventually. You would think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about our, your, at least my first exposure to analytics, um, and maybe yours, but you can tell me. It was in 2012 um, when Miguel Cabrera was winning the Triple Crown. And yeah. there were rumblings that um, this Mike Trout kid should win – the MVP, and I dismissed it out of hand. I'm thinking, you're crazy, a triple crown. How often does that happen? Just about never. And the reason they were using it for Mike Trout was this thing called war, wins against replacement. Exactly. Yeah. Wins against replacement. What the hell, George? Uh, I, I I never got that either. Um, you know, I, I always thought, you know, Triple Crown is just a lock for the MVP. Um, but, yeah, and, and, uh, and I, yeah, I was surprised there was even a discussion. And there's, there's one other thing, not only the Triple Crown, but, it, you know, another, another thing that I think is, is critical to an MVP discussion, beyond even the Triple Crown, is, you know, if you if you are the most valuable player, do you make your team better? Now, the Tigers in 2012 made they made the they made the playoffs. They actually got to the World Series. You know, we mm-hmm. won't talk about what they did in the World Series, but mm-hmm. they got to the World Series. So, 
you know, Miguel was Miguel Cabrera the most valuable player? Well, I'll tell you this. If Miguel Cabrera was not on that team, the Tigers would not have gotten to the World Series. Okay? Yep. With Mike, Mike Trout, with even with Mike Trout on the Angels, did the Angels make the playoffs? No, they didn't. They did not. So, so how could Mike Trout be more valuable than Miguel Cabrera? Because clearly the Tigers would not have been as good as they are without Miguel Cabrera. And with Mike Trout, the Angels weren't even good enough to make the postseason. Yep. So, you know, so not, you know, not even that. You, you throw the triple crown on top of that. I didn't see how there could even possibly have been a question. Now, if the Tigers had, you know, finished in third place and the Angels got into the World Series, or at least to the postseason, you know, you, you, I could at least hear the argument, but I'm still thinking, you know, triple crown. Right, right. Okay, um, but I say don't scrap war just yet. Here's what it's good for, George. You wonder what it was good for? I do. When a, when a player gets suspended for PEDs, um, the player is penalized, and the team gets away with – or any penalty, um, so they don't really care. They turn the blind eye. They know a guy's using PEDs. They'll say, hey, just don't get caught. I don't want to know anything. Even though yeah. that person's use of the PEDs no doubt helped the team. So yeah. here's what you do. You take the player's war, which is generally like, you know, they uh. say like 4.4 or 6.8. You take that amount of wins away from the offending team immediately that season, the same season, same season he's suspended. Oh wow! So so take that, Ryan Braun. Exactly. Yeah, How do you like yeah, that one? Yeah, and you know you get these guys where they say like you know an MVP MVP caliber is like a WAR of eight or better or something like that. Yeah, you take eight wins off of a team, all of a sudden they go from. You know, a 95-win team down to an 87-win team. Yes, sir. And, I, and I, isn't it important to teams concerned about the health of their players? This way they would be running internal drug tests and say, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that because you're going to kill us all. That's what they'd be more worried about. So I'd get them interested that way. Okay. Well, that, I, I kind of I, I like that. I'm, I'm, I never considered that before. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and it does help fight the uh, the, the steroid uh, scourge, right? So, uh, but here's here's my question, and I guess I probably should have started with this one. Is that, you know when I talk about war, what is it good for? It's like I could have just stopped and said war. What what is it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've I've looked I've looked for a definition of it, and it's like. It's never there isn't a hard and concrete definition of it. I think it's calculated differently by different, uh, you know, baseball analysts. I don't think there, you know, and as as someone who who and you know enjoys his share of mathematics, I'd like to see you know what one actual formula is for calculating it because in, in that in only that way can you really kind of dissect it and really figure out what is what the hell it's telling you but i don't even know how it's calculated i've tried looking online for formulas and things and and i'll be damned if i can find one yeah i kind of did find something maybe it wasn't specific but um it made my eyes roll up into my head and there's no way i could have presented it in a podcast so i skipped it and then even worse george once you find go keep looking for the war 
how it's calculated. But then look at a war for a pitcher. Oh, my God. There's like three more steps, and you have to do how he feels his <laughs> position and stuff like that. Oh, it's oh, uh, ridiculous. So, I don't know. Oh. So, analytics, um, we know you're out there. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, but maybe I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know what the his batting is. His batting average versus balls put in play when a number seven is one of the infielders um, and a pitcher has an yeah. odd-numbered uniform. Yeah, I, I think what there's, – there's a sense, I think, that it's, it's, it's destroying the soul of the game. I think that's kind of what gets the, the, you know, the old guys like you and me. You know, we grew up watching baseball. We, you know, it, it had a soul, and part of that soul was – you know, batting average and home runs and RBIs and ERA and win-loss record. You know, and that that mm-hmm. that was the language of the game. It was simple, and and it was it was calculated the same way uh, all the time. And it it formed a, a way that you know fans across all generations can kind of talk about the game, and it gave the game soul. And I just fear that the base that the game is kind of losing some of its soul these days. It's possible. Okay, George, we've done yeah. all we can to save the game we love. It's it's up to them now. Um, you know, there's talk that Rob Manfred has thought about banning shifts. I believe next year a rule goes into place where relief pitchers have to either finish the inning or throw three throw to three batters. So I think we're going to be okay. done with the one lefty versus lefty and done. So that's a good thing. But I don't know. We'll see. If the Tigers weren't so bad, maybe I would be watching more baseball. But I watch very little <laughs> baseball. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a rough rough season. Yeah, uh, I, I was I wouldn't have been surprised if this team hadn't uh, won fewer games than that abysmal O three team. But I think they're this team is just as bad. Absolutely. Okay, George, we're yeah. gonna get back to our uh, our wildly popular top ten list next week, and. Yeah. Uh, when, if you have something we need to save, you can email us at uh, gkmusings at yahoo.com. This is Keystone. My partner is George Chapel. This is George and Keith Musings. Thanks for listening, George. We'll talk to you oh. next week. Oh, hey, hey. One thing. Uh-oh. Happy birthday, big guy. Thank you. Two, two days from now. So, so email Keith all your happy birthday wishes. Yep. Keep those cards and letters coming. All right. All right. Take care. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye.